inside of me. Amen. How great thou art. I'm going to bless you all this evening, all the visitors amongst us for the wedding. We ask that God be with you this evening. Amen. I wonder if we can just sing this chorus and verse. Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder, amen, then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, amen. Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the Thank you. 
this evening, O oh God. Oh, we thank you, O oh God, that you would come and die for our sins. Truly, how great thou art, O oh Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Brother Cobus, could I have you open up the service in a word of prayer? Got a few prayer requests for us this evening. Our sister Eleanor Drake writes, and please pray for my former neighbor, Brandy. She was diagnosed with cancer. She wants to be here tonight, but circumstances uh, decided otherwise. God healed her from cancer before, and she has confidence that he'll do it again. Amen. Our sister Mariel wants us to pray for a young man named Anthony who does not have any teardrops or saliva. It's getting worse, and the doctors can't find the problem. He got baptized about a year ago, and his mom and dad are spending many hours in the night praying for him. Remember these prayers that the doctors would find what is wrong with this young man. Our sister Brandy with cancer, Brother Copas, please come. Brother Jerome and Sister Rachel have a special for us this evening as they come. Got a few greetings for us this evening. Our brother Jerome and Sister Natalie and the family have you stand this evening. Greet you guys. Amen. God bless you. Our brother Kent and Sister Lorraine, are you guys here? Bless you guys. Welcome. Amen. 
and familiar faces, our brother Samuel, Sister Sabrina, and our brother Caleb and Sister Jasmine Hildebrandt. God bless you guys this evening. Amen. And again, all those who are come for the wedding, I hope you feel welcome this evening. Amen.
bless you. Thank you. Just a reminder, the wedding tomorrow is at 11. Um, for Brother Jack and Sister Jess. I mean, may God bless you guys. Amen. Can we sing the goodness of God as our brother Tom comes, and for our brother Stephen to speak? Amen. I love you, Lord, for your mercies never fail. Amen. I love you, Lord, oh, for your mercy never fails me, and all my days I've been held in your hand, oh, from the moment that I wake up until I to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Well, greetings to everyone. Please, everybody have a seat. I'd like to recognize Brother Rock. Come on. He's my buddy. Amen. Jacqueline, where is she? There she is. God bless you. You have to understand something here. I've known and been to Quebec for I were, we're trying to figure it out 34 years, and uh, I had the privilege to sit across the table, and we had a wonderful time of fellowship, took me on a horseback ride, and, 
and loved them ever since. And now it took these 34, 35 years to get them out because of a wedding. Incredible. So with, I just would like everybody to know, those that are from Quebec, would you please stand? Let's give them a hand. Amen. Amen. We must love you very much, Sister Jess. And we indeed do. We indeed do. It will be a special day tomorrow. 11 o'clock will be the wedding. And um, I don't know whether it will be them that are more emotional than me. We'll just try and pray for me, saints. <laughs> we'll have a lovely time. Well, because of this, Brother and Pastor, Brother Steve Brisson has come uh, to be a part of the wedding. He'll be, and we want to welcome him this evening. And I look down and, and Gab, where are you? What happened to you, man? This is home. <laughs> we, we love you and it's nice to see you. And God bless you, Natalie. Nice to have you here. We're looking forward to a wonderful evening because we understand that the footsteps of the righteous are ordered of God. And though there be a wedding and there's a purpose and a reason that some of us or most of us are all here tonight, but we've come to hear the word of the Lord. And Brother Steve and and Sister Esther, his dear wife and daughter, God bless you, Mary. Uh, uh, We welcome you here at Cloverdale. And trust that you feel at home in the presence of the Lord. Your, uh, Brother Andre Petit, would you please give my love and greetings to Brother Andre and, and Sister Suzanne? And uh, you have to remember the, their young people were growing up and getting married. And now I'm the old man and they're the young people again. And so it's just a pleasure to have you all here thank you. We love you. We thank God for what he's doing in Quebec in the assembly. Brother Steve has taken pastorship from Brother Andre Petit. Brother Andre, as we know, has been here giving us a missions report in Haiti. Now it's it's very dangerous. Now I think he's in the Dominican Republic and he's doing some mission work there and we want to pray and support them with all our hearts. So why don't we stand as we welcome Pastor Brother Steve Brisson to the pulpit. Pull on the word. if You'll get what you expect. Amen. All my life you've been faithful. All my life you have been
life. He has been faithful. Amen? May the Lord richly bless you. It's certainly an honor and a privilege to be with you tonight. And I want to thank Brother, Brother Tom for his invitation and for his, for his trust. And so, yeah, um, you mentioned 30-some years ago you preached at a youth camp. My wife was 12. So that makes you... Tomorrow he's marrying his grandkids. And so time, time flies. And so Brother Tom has been an inspiration for me. Uh, I think it's 15 years ago when I was just starting pastoring that he came to preach a youth camp. And he was a great inspiration for the young people, but great inspiration for me as well. And so we uh, came all the way from Quebec for the wedding for Sister Jessica and Brother Jack. And so we had them back home, I think twice, with Brother Tommy. So we enjoyed you. And um, so we were glad to be here be able to share the joy, and got a group from Quebec that came, and donc je vais souhaiter la bienvenue à toutes nos amis francophones. Frère Tom me disait qu'il y avait plusieurs francophones dans l'Assemblée, donc ceux qui parlent français, levez la main. Mes frères, ah voilà, voilà, que Dieu vous bénisse. Qu'est-ce que vous pensez si on fait la réunion en français ce soir? Est-ce que vous aimeriez ça? Amen. All right, so we'll switch back in English. I asked them if they wanted to have a French service tonight. They seem to agree, but uh, we will switch in English. All right. Amen. So, uh, without any delay, we'll turn in our Bible tonight in the book of Galatians, chapter 4. So, we're bringing greetings from uh, the church in Warden and also from Brother Andre Petit, who actually went to the hospital today for chest pain, and it was a bit of a, of a fear. And so, finally, after all the tests, it, it seems it was like more related to stomach. And so, praise the Lord. We were happy to hear that he was doing okay. Amen. So let's read Galatians chapter 4, uh, verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 4, 5, and 6. And uh, we can also pull up, put up the slide for me if it's possible. I want to thank the technician, and I see some headphones. And so I want to greet also the translator. I'll try to be mindful of the translator in the back. Amen. So um, tonight I want to title this, um, this message, It's About Maturing. It's about maturing. And uh, we will read Galatians 4, verse 4. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Amen. Let's bow our head. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you tonight that we have the privilege to freely gather in your house to worship you, Lord. We, Lord, want you to take control over every spirit tonight because we want your Holy Spirit to come in this building, to move freely upon every heart and upon every life, Lord. You know the people. I don't know most. Most of them I don't know, Lord, but I don't have to know them because you know all things, Lord. And so this is why we want to surrender ourselves tonight to your Spirit so you freely move and you freely teach and you freely nurture your, 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 your body, your, your people, Lord. And we want to surrender ourselves tonight, we pray in Jesus. Jesus' name, amen. 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 You may be seated. It's about maturing. And so we uh, just read this scripture, Galatians 4. And uh, of course, before we, um, uh, before we uh, move into our topic, I want to just lay a, a foundation. 
and we're reading Ephesians uh, chapter 4, uh, verse uh, 11, uh, talking about the fivefold ministry. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teacher for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed o and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of man and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ. And so the scripture is talking about the perfecting of the saints unto a perfect man that we may be no more children. A lot of Christians spend a lot of their Christian life wondering if they are sons of God. They spend a lot of time wondering if their sins are forgiven. I've been raising the message, you know, my mom came to the Lord when I was two years old, and so I grew up in an environment of, of, of church, and I went through a long process myself, you know, wandering, and, and so we, we recognize God sent a prophet, we recognize the word, we, we love the word, but there's always a question mark in my life, like, I'm, I'm, I'm really, am I really part of that? Am I really a son of God? Or if, if I'm not, will I become one? And, and we don't understand. And this is not my topic tonight about being sons of, of, of God. But a prophet made it clear, especially at the end of his ministry, that if you're a son of God, you were always the son of God. And while a lot of people wasting time wondering if there are one, there's another part that's also so important because, and this is my topic tonight, it's about maturing. It's about maturing, especially in 65, the prophet is talking about, you know, it's the time of the crop and it's the time for the wheat to remove, to remove all the green from the crop to become mature. Amen. And so it's time for the bride of Christ to recognize who she is. And when she recognizes who she is, she has to enter in her position and she has to mature. And so we read Ephesians 4. And it's talking about being a perfect man unto the stature of the fullness of Christ. And we, 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 we see verse 13 and verse 14. And verse 13 verses 14 are contrast. One is talking about perfect and the other one is talking about children. And so, of course, in our modern society, the, we stumble over the word perfect. And we don't understand you know, the word perfect here is a Bible word. And so people stumble over the word perfect because they think it's with, it means without flaw or without mistake. But that's not what the Bible word perfect means. And so the word perfect, it means to be complete, to be mature. And the proof is that verse 13 is talking about perfect unto the fullness of Christ, that we may be no more children. So either we are complete or we are children, but both of them are sons and daughters of God. Hallelujah. And so even verse 15 is talking about that we may grow up. So it's about growing. 
But when we doubt, always doubt that we are sons and daughters of God, we pretty much like as we're doing gardening and we put a seat there, but we remove it because we, we, we are questioning the process. We are questioning, am I really a seed? And we check constantly instead of letting it in the soil for it to grow and to manifest its fruits. Amen. And so Matthew chapter 5, scripture we know really well, that ye may be children of your father, verse 48, be ye therefore perfect, even as your father which is in heaven is perfect. And as I said, we stumble over the word perfect because we think it means without fault. And so when we hear the word perfect, we think about Olympics. And, and, and we think about, and, I, and I'm longing to be perfect, and we're looking for a perfect score. We're looking for a no fault. We're looking about a life of having no mistake. And obviously, that's not possible. That's why Jesus died on the cross. Because if we could live a perfect life, Jesus died in vain. Hallelujah. When Christ went on Calvary, he solved the sin question forever. Past, present, future tense. So that we don't have to wonder and question that anymore. And stop looking at our behavior. But look at the promise. Look at the seed that he has placed inside of us. Hallelujah. And so the word perfect, if we look at modern dictionaries, it has something to do with a perfect behavior, a no fault, no mistake. But if we go back to older dictionaries, like, you know, Webster or even the Strong Dictionary, uh, then it's totally different. It's talking about, the word perfect is from the Greek word teleios, which means a man, not a kid, a man of full age, brought to its end. Finish, wanting nothing necessary to completeness. Completeness. So, it means to be mature. If something is mature, it means it's complete. And that is the purpose of God tonight. He wants to settle the question of your identity for once and for good that you don't come back to it again. You are a son and a daughter of God because God wants to reveal that to you. And after that, he wants you to grow and stop removing the seed from the ground, questioning the identity of the seed, but leave it in the ground and grow in the presence of the son. Hallelujah. So this is just a foundation for tonight. For the law made nothing perfect. It means the law made nothing complete. But the bringing in of a better hope did. By the which we draw nigh unto God. And so we have a similar word here, which is perfection. Where is, instead of teleios, is teleio, which means finish. Fulfill. To make perfect complete. So it's different. I don't want you to read the word perfect the same anymore. Because we all stumble over that because of our society. Everything is based on performance. Everything is based on, on doing no mistake. And when we do a mistake, then, well, I'm not perfect. And then we, we look at the message, the stature of a perfect man, and just the title makes us stumble. Will I ever be perfect? But our mindset is wrong because that's not what the word perfect means. And so God wants us to mature, and it's all about maturing. Even you got several quotes in 65 where the prophet says, he says, All it's left is to dwell in the presence of the Son to mature. It's not about becoming sons and daughters of God. 
If you are one, you are always one. Of course, you didn't know that. The prophet says in seven church age, he says, for a son of God, some of them takes a long time to realize they are sons of God. Hallelujah. So let's go back to our opening scripture. We see verse 4 is talking about the Son of God. God sent for His Son made of a woman under the law. So under the law means under rules. Don't do this and don't, don't, don't touch that and don't go there and don't think this and don't say that. And, you know, but then you move on to verse 5 and verse 6 and there's a change because it turns from a woman to a father. Maturity comes from the father. Also, another word we stumble upon is adoption. Here, you know, in Canada, adoption is you adopt somebody that's not your children. It's not your kid. And you make them their own, your own. But where the Bible was written, that's not what adoption means. They would adopt their own son. And they would put them in position when he was mature. He would, when he was complete, he was put into position. And that's what adoption means. But adoption is the father's business. It's not the mother's business. And so as we talk about maturing, we want to know where maturity comes from. We want to be able to look at the right place. Because if we look for maturity from the wrong source, then we remain a child and we remain under rules. But if we can look for the source of maturity, then we can, we can expect the right thing. So Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to run natural, spiritual, you know, side by side tonight. It depends how the Lord leads. But you can preach this to father, you know, family. You can preach family sermon to father how to bring their children to maturity. There's, there's, a, there's a scriptural way. And there's also the, the spiritual side. Of it, so it, it runs side by side. So if you take Ephesians 6, chapter 4, he's talking to fathers and saying, Provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture slash instruction and admonition slash exhortation of the Lord. The word bring here is to nourish up to maturity. So the Bible is asking the father to nourish to maturity. And this is what we're going to look at tonight. Maturity comes from the Father. Because Galatians, we read, born under a woman under the law. But at one point, a son will move from the mother and move towards the Father to be placed because the adoption, maturity, is the Father's business. Nurture means the whole training and education of a children. And the mission means exhortation and so the mother or the season of motherhood is when a child is young and for those who had children you you probably relate to that you know we we had five and and I remember when they were babies uh I don't know you know babies were always a mystery to me I mean you know, when they were smiling, they were not much a mystery. But when they started crying, they became a mystery to me. So, you know, they're crying and you're just trying whatever you think they need, but you're clueless. And, and it would always happen, you know, your wife is just watching you on the side, you know, and she watched you struggling with a crying baby. And, 
you're, you're a bit clueless of what he wants. And, and then suddenly, you know, the, the mother moves in slowly and says, give it to me. <laughs> uh, uh, it's because he, he, he's thirsty. How do you know that? No, no, he's just hungry. Oh, no, he's probably his belly is hurting. He's like, how do you know that? And at first, you know, I, 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 I had a bit of a complex, like, you know, what's the father's use for, right? Because when they were a baby, it was, it was almost exclusively the mother's own. She knew everything and, and, and how to, and, and so at, at one point, you know, as a father, you can be discouraged. It's like, when, when will be my time to shine as a father, right? <laughs> and then, now that my kids is grown up, my son's 21, my, my baby is 14, now I realize, as they're maturing, as they enter into, you know, phases of life, suddenly I'm the one going late hours, sitting with them, talking, while my wife, it used to be I was in bed waiting for my wife, and oh, well, they, this one had this, and, and then this one had that, and, and you know, I, I, would, I, I would just wait, and she, she was, it was a full-time job. But as they're growing up, something has changed, and, and, and now I'm the one sometimes staying late hours. Talking to this one is, Daddy, can I talk to you? I'm going through this and going through that. And, and Esther is like, you know, when will you come to bed? Well, I don't know. I spoke to this one, and then this one had another question. And, 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 and I, now I'm shining. <laughs> and I understand that, that and, and even now, like sometimes Esther is like, you know, they, they talk to you. But it, it, there's a law there. As maturity set in, it moves to the Father. Now, now this is in the natural side, but it's also especially, and we're going to try to dwell on the spiritual side tonight. But the Bible is really clear. When we speak about children, it's, it's the mother's ministry. And when we speak about men, maturity, it's the father's business. Sometimes father gets discouraged in the phase where they seem like they're useless. And they're like, okay, those kids, they just, they just don't like me. They won't talk to me. And they quit. And they quit. They lock their heart. And, and that's dangerous to do that because as they're going to grow up, they want to turn to you. And they're like, well, you didn't care about me when you were younger. Well, so just go take a walk. No. We have to understand the law of nature. God said those things. So if we go back to... Uh, Galatians 4, verse 1. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differed nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all. But he is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. It's a father's business. Even so, when we were children, we were in bondage under the elements in the world of the world. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent for his son made of a woman made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of son. And because ye are sons, so sometimes people, people think that, that when we're re, the, receiving the Holy Spirit makes you a son. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, because you are a son, God sent his spirit. So because ye are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your heart. And it's not say crying mama. It's crying, Father! Hallelujah. So let's take Jesus as an example. This was just a foundation. Let's let's speak about Mary and Jesus for a while. In uh, Luke 
chapter 2. You know, when Jesus and, you know, Mary and Joseph, they went to Jerusalem to worship. And when, when they left, uh, Jesus stayed in town. The Bible says he was 12 years old. And that number is, 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 is peculiar because you have many tribes around the world that actually they will do a ceremony of transition where the son will not be under his mother anymore. And, and they'll do, and there's all kinds, you know, different tribes. They'll have different ceremony, and sometimes it's just pagan. And, but there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a principle behind that, that he stays with his mom. He's just, you know, in, in a small town with his mom, and men go to war, and men goes hunting. But at one point, they need to be a ceremony. They need to be an affirmation. They need to be a declaration. And different ceremony, you'd have like, you know, uh, uh, all the, 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 the wives are, are just staying outside the, the village and all the, 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 the sons that are 12-year-old are there. And, and then the, the, the warrior are in the woods and the, the men and, with, 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 and it's dark and with war shout and it's quite frightening. And the son has to leave the mother to join the men. And then he's going to learn about being a man. And it's not the mother who's going to teach that. It's the father who's going to teach that to bring this young man to maturity. Saying that the mother is limited, the mother will nurture, the mother will feed, but the mother cannot bring to maturity. The father will. And so when Jesus was 12 years old, then we, we, we see this thing happening because they went to Jerusalem. And just to, to paraphrase into, for a matter of, of, um, of time, you can read it back home. Um, when they decided to leave Jerusalem, Jesus stayed. And of course, they walked for a couple of days, realized he was not there. They came back, and they were all afraid. And verse 46 said, It came to pass that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished as his, at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wish ye not that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not. So something is happening, and I want you to, to you, we're going to use Jesus tonight as a son of God. Amen? Amen? And so I'm talking to sons and daughters of God about maturity. So we're going to use the son of God as an example. So he was born, the Bible says he was born of a woman. And he stayed with her, and, and she nurtured him, she provided for him. But as he's growing up, and when he reached that, that number 12, something happens with him that he stays and goes in the temple, and he's, he's, he's entering in another phase of his ministry. He's entering in his real identity because he's not Mary's son anymore because he's hearing a voice. And that voice is about to place him in his position. And when he does that, Something happened that even forget to tell Mary, oh, by the way, I'm going to join you later because I got something to do. He gets so caught up in his, in, his, in, in his father's business that he stays in the temple. And even the Pharisees and the Sadducees are sitting there and they're all astonished by this. Like, who's this young man? And that young man is, pre- is special because he's virgin born. And, and, and so they're wondering, that's the question, where did this guy come from? 
Why are you so special? And to have that question in their mind. But now Mary, because now I want you to see something here. We, we often preach, and, and with, with good reason, we oft, often preach about, you know, the Jezebel spirit and the dominating female that will, yeah, will attack, you know, sons of God like Elijah doing his ministry and Jezebel threatened to kill him and he hides in the cave. And, and we often preach about, you know, the, this bad dominating uh, female that, that wants to attack sons of God like Delilah that wants to attack Samson and try to deceive him. And, and, but sometimes we miss, we miss the good woman That misses the transition. So we're not here tonight to talk about the Jezebel spirit. Like the Catholic church that, you know, burned the Bible and killed Christians. But it's more subtle than that. So Mary, we all agree that she's a good woman. She's a spiritual woman. She's the one who believed the greatest promise in Israel at that time. It was the most expected promise, the most expected thing to happen. A virgin child conceived. She, and, 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 and the Messiah will be born out of a virgin. And when Gabriel told that it was her, she's so spiritual. She has so much faith. She says, be it out according to thy word. Not a speck of a doubt. And, and she paid the price. She paid the shame of being pregnant without being married. She almost lost Joseph. Joseph almost put her aside. If it was not for the angel, she paid a price for believing the word. So she's, she's a good woman. She's a spiritual woman. But even there, she's raising a son of God. And she misses the transition on that day where Jesus is no more under her and that he doesn't need her anymore because he's moving to his father's business. And the Bible says in verse 50 here that they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. So they are spiritual, but they don't understand that there's something greater going on than just me raising this little boy. Why did you do that? But he heard a voice. Because he's always doing the Father's will. So he's the sons of God. But obviously Mary and Joseph are not used to that. And they don't know what to do with a son of God who is maturing. Now we could fall back to the natural. As you know, good woman, good Christians... Good sisters would, would raise children. And it's such a fine line how to, when you try to nurture them, you try to instruct them, and you try to be, to be faithful, but also to be mindful that these are not our children. They are first. They are God's. And God wants to take over. That's why the prophet says, he says, you want to put your children under the influence of the Holy Ghost until they receive the Holy Ghost and then everything will be, be taken care of because the voice of God has to enter their life where God takes over and bring them to maturity. So when they are under our headship, it's about, well, you should do this. Don't touch the stove. You're going to burn. Don't cross the street when there's a car. Don't do this and don't do that. But at one point, we all realize at one point, they have to know for themselves. And if we keep them under the law, they learn nothing because all they think is they're thinking through us. But maturity is to be able to be connected straight with your father. Having his mind inside of you where you know, as the prophet says, the bride knows what should be done with the word. She has the mind of Christ. Hallelujah. 
Now, what she did that day was, the prophet says, was, said, it's pretty striking. She found him. What did she find? She found him in the temple discussing the word of God with the priests. And right in front of those priests, those, those dignified, Mary let the curtain drop. She did exactly the thing she should not have done. Call her God, the mother of God. A mother had to have more wisdom than her son. And she said, your father and I sought you with tears for day and night. Huh? Your father and I? Claiming that the birth wasn't supernatural, that Joseph was the father of Jesus. She denied the supernatural birth. Why did she do that? She did, she did that because she was in fear. She thought she had lost her son. And she was afraid of losing him. But she was not losing her son. He was moving to the father. And so even a good mother under a fear. Fear never produced the right fruits. Never. A good Christian. A good believer. If he's afraid. He will bear the wrong fruits. Whatever you're going to say under fear. Will be the wrong saying. Whatever you do under fear will be the wrong thing you did. Because it's inspired by fear. So we got to be careful what's going on inside. We want to stay in faith and trust that even when we feel like we've, we lose grasp or a grip on our children, God is over yeah. our capacity. Now Mary was the only one that can witness that Jesus was virgin birth. Virgin born. She was the only witness. And that day, she just killed it. Now imagine you're Jesus. You're standing there. You're having a moment of inspiration. You are sent by God. Priests are there. They are astonished. They're like, where does he come from? Jesus, no, he comes from God. And he's there for people to recognize he comes from God. So he's slowly entering his ministry. And then the, the, the mother comes behind and says, no, that's just my kid. That's pretty discouraging when you go through that. Now, let's type Mary, which is a woman. Let's type it to the church. Because the prophet says a church is a woman. In a church age book, the prophet says, it is the word that rules us, not men. Now, a man as a husband is the head of the woman. He rules her. But the church is a woman, too. And her ruler is the word. Jesus is the word. If she rejects the word and takes any other headship, she's, she's an adulteress. Now, you name me one church that hasn't given up the word for traditions and creed. They're all adulteress, like mother, like daughter. The prophet says... The seed is not, the, not here with the shock. He says, not, notice how more like the real thing Mary was, but like the shock. The shock hugs the seed in itself and protects it and nurtures it until it's standing alone, mature. So he's talking about Mary. Mary nurtured until it's standing alone. So you see the transition. And so like a mother, it's like that. But a church... Its role is the same thing. So as this third, third church age is mature, holding this grain until it's time to open up the shock. Mary being the mother of Christ, just an incubator. He has no blood of Mary. 
He was no blood of Jews. He was no blood of Gentile. He was the blood of God. God created this blood. He could not be sexed. He wasn't Jew nor Gentile. So God, when God sent his children in the church, he's, he's sending his sons into an incubator. And he, and he sends them there for the church, and the church is a woman. And it's, it's been preached so much by the prophet where he, where he condemns denomination. Why did he condemn denomination? Because denomination would remove Christ of the picture and take control of sons and daughters of God and try to control them. And when they would try to go to the Father, to the full word, they would say, no, that's for another time. No, that, that God doesn't exist anymore. Because they want to keep the sons and daughters of God to herself. And that's the denomination spirit because they bring the people to themselves. Now, Mary understood her role to a such point, but even on that day, she failed. Because she, she pretended that Jesus was from her and Joseph. And why did she did that? She did that because she felt she was losing him. And so that is called the transition. Where a son is doing a transition from the mother to the father. It's really important for every minister to understand that they have nothing to do with. Like when they preach, they have nothing to do with the process. The prophet says the pastor authority is just a word. That's all the authority we have is not our authority. It's word, the word authority because it's the Father's word. But you know, when, when, when God sends a newborn, somebody's born again, he comes to church and then he has to learn a lot of things. And so he looks at the church, he looks at the pastor, he looks at the deacon and, and, and he's learning. But as he's learning, there's a process that's going on. So we have an example in the Bible let me jump to slide 31, please. Let's speak about Anne and Samuel for a little while. Anne and Samuel, you know, Anne wanted a children. She wanted a child and she couldn't have one. And you remember that she, she was praying at the temple and Eli came and said, that your prayer's been answered. So she received a son named Samuel. And, and I can say that even Anne did a better job than Mary in letting go of Samuel. It was her boy. But she had, in her heart, she was inspired to give this boy back to God. So when, he's, when, she, when he was old enough, she, she brings him to the temple. She brings him to church, and he's now working with Eli. They're high priests. And so he's in church. We could say that from a woman, he was handed up to another woman, the church. And so he's in the temple. You know, I got several scripture for that, but for a matter of, for sake of time, we just, we won't read it. But, you know, Anne would come, coming every year and she made a, a new coat. And so it's, it was still her little boy, but she had, she'd been able to release and, and to let him go. 
Now he was in the temple, like, you know, somebody who comes to church for the first time, and he, and he accepts the Lord in his heart. He's a new convert. He's in church, and he learns about church matter. <laughs> you know, this is, okay, now the song leader is going to say, okay, now you stand. So, you stand. Okay, now you can be seated. Okay, now you're dismissed. And he looks around. People say amen to the word when they enjoy it. So like, yeah, amen, amen. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And, and so, so Samuel was, was, was growing up with Eli in the church. And so he learned how to, you know, he, he learned how to clean the candlestick and he learned how to remove the bread and he, he learned all about church, how to serve God in the temple and, and do everything right. But one day something happened. Now, one day something happened. Now he's in the church. He's faithful to the pastor. But one day, and you got that in 1 Samuel chapter 3. The child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. And it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place, and his eyes began to wax dim, he that he could not see. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Now he was serving God in the temple, in the church for all those years. Doing the right thing, being in his supposed duty, being faithful. But there's something that needs to happen to Samuel to move to a higher place. Because Eli and Anne and the temple cannot bring Samuel to maturity. All they can teach him is what to do and what not to do. And I advise you, well, maybe better if you stay away from this. And, 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 and we counsel and we get advice. And this is all good. It, it's, 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 there's nothing bad about it, but it's a phase. But the Bible says that after he did all that, verse 7, that he did, he did not know yet the Lord. Neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. So now God is calling Samuel. But when he hears the voice of God, he runs to the pastor and says, Did you ask for me? And the pastor is like, No, I did not call for you. That was not my voice. Right. Now, we, we might condemn Eli, you know, because of the thing he done or let done. And he was, you know, he made compromise. But he was spiritual enough to understand something is going on in my church. God is calling a young man. So when he went, Eli told him, it's God talking to you. It's the Father. So Eli was no stranger. He understood that there was a higher voice inside the church. That needs to be understood. It needs to be understood by the people, by the church. By the pastor, by the ministry, he has to be understood that there's a greater process happening, and it's an invisible calling. So Eli gave him the right advice. Verse 9, he says, Eli said unto Samuel, Go, lie down, and it shall be. And if he call thee, that thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant hear it. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel that which both the ears of everyone that hear it shall tingle. So God's saying to Samuel, Now I'm about to reveal something to you that will shake up. Now even when God revealed to Samuel what he, what he had to reveal, even Samuel was afraid. 
So the next day you get up and, you know, he gets busy, you know, with the broom and cleaning whatever he has to clean. And he doesn't want to see Eli. But Eli's like, God spoke to this young man. What does he have to say? And Eli tells him, son, don't, don't be afraid to speak. Well, he didn't have nothing good to say because something was going on. But that's not the point tonight. The point is that God was speaking to a son. Romans chapter 8 verse 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, where we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So it's the Spirit itself that wants to reveal to you your identity. Some, 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 someone can come to me as a pastor and say, Brother Steve, do you think I'm a son of God? What can I say? I believe so. Brother, I believe so. But you should get that straight from God. Because if I tell you you are a son of God, I don't know if you are one. It's not me to say. You think I have received the Holy Ghost. It's not me to say. Believe it. But at one point, it's a promise. The Spirit itself, it's only the Father who can identify His own. The woman cannot do that. The woman cannot position. The church cannot position a son. It's the Father's business. And we have to leave room to the Father so He can come down and reveal Himself to sons and daughters of God. Because the Spirit Himself wants to bear witness. That ye are the children of God. Now Eli was, Eli was sensitive enough to know that God would come down and speak. Now you say, Steve, are you, are you saying that, you know, if God speaks to me, I don't have to go to church anymore and I don't have to listen to my pastor anymore? No, that's not what I'm saying. Now actually, this is what's amazing. You'd be coming to church for a long time and, 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 and you say, well, you know, how was the service this morning? Well, Brother Tom said this, and, and, and Brother so-and-so said that, and the church said this, and the church said that. Or the, yeah, it was a good service. But you can come to the same church in the same service, and then they ask you, so what did they say this morning? And now you can say, God told me this morning. God revealed to me this morning that I should do this. And he revealed to me that I should step forward. He revealed to me that I should look higher. And so you're sitting in the same church, sitting under the same ministry. But now it's not about the church. It's not about the minister. It's about my God who spoke to me. Now it doesn't show. It doesn't show that there's a difference. But it's a whole world of a difference. Because we don't want our faith built upon a church or, or upon a ministry. And the ministers know that. And a church knows that. It's not about the church. It's not about the ministry. But it's about the voice behind the voice. And the bride of Christ is hungry, has a hunger. She wants to hear the voice of the Father. Because of the voice of the Father, He's the only one who knows our identity. He knows our gift. He knows our calling. Somebody come see the pastor. Do you think I have a calling? Not me to say. 
Do you think I'm a deacon? It's not me to say. A couple of months ago, one of my kids came to me in a, with an important question. Life-changing decision. I don't know what to do. And that kind of question, I don't know either. Because that kid is old enough, he has to know for himself. Sure. Now, I can think about something. I can have an opinion. But we should, we should be mature enough to know that our opinion, sometimes we hit, sometimes we miss. And we got to know that unless it's thus says the Lord clear in the word of God, sometimes we might, well, I think it should be this. But you know what? God should reveal it to you. Amen. And I remember I told one of the, my child, one of my children, I, I told him, I says, you have to know for yourself. But how do I know? Seek the Lord. Take a couple of days of fasting. Pray. Don't do this prayer of Lord, you know, if you answer. There's a type of prayer that the answer has to come. And God knows when you determine, when you ask for an answer, not ask to say, well, I've asked. There's this kind of prayer that you pray until you get an answer. And God knows when you're determined in your heart because God has the answer. And he's put you in desperation because he wants to give you the answer. He desires more to give you the answer than you want to have it. I says, if you ask with that kind of faith, he will answer. Children come a couple of days later. Fast. Pray. Crying came back in my office. I got my answer. Now, when God answer, tell me who can reverse that. I can convince someone. Brother Tom can convince someone of something. But if I can convince him, somebody can do the contrary. But when God speak, because God wants to build a church on the revelation. And it's not the revelation of a minister or a church. It's God himself coming down hallelujah because the spirit itself bear witness with our spirit praise the lord so god sees what gift you have you know sometimes we go around and say well what do you think i should do you're like samuel went to eli did you ask like what should i do we got to be spiritual enough to point. And everything is about pointing to Christ. Even in the three, three great purpose of God. One of that, the, the three great purpose of God wanted, Christ wants to have the preeminence. It has to be about Christ. We have to bring people to Christ. This is the solid rock. He's the one who can take over. Hallelujah. Let's speak about David. Now, David was just a kid. Well, that's what everyone saw. Now, what's amazing with God is that he sees a king inside a kid. When we look at a kid, we look at a kid. Well, it's just a kid. <laughs> Yeah, just fooling around. I mean, there's not much to it. But God sees the complete product. You know the parable of the talents, one, two, and five, or one, three, and five? 
when God gives that one, we see the one. Well, sometimes we even struggle. Well, I have no gift. I'm not good for nothing, you know, and this. The Bible didn't say like one had zero, right? No. We all have gifts. And we all, you know, we all struggle to accept the fact that we have one or three or five. Like we struggle. Like, nah, I can't sing. Oh, I cannot. I don't have leadership. You know, I, I prefer to hide and this. And so we struggle with the one or the five. But God, when God gives the one, you know how much he sees? He doesn't see one. He already sees two. Because one would bring another one. The three would bring another three or the two. I don't remember. And the five, God doesn't see five. Now we struggle to see five. But God doesn't struggle with the five. He already sees the other five. God sees the complete product. When, when David was in the field with a sheep with just a slingshot, God saw a king. And God, this, God tonight, he sees the final product. That's why you have to trust God with the end result. Because the purpose of God is to bring you to maturity The, the, the game, the purpose, the whole purpose tonight is not about you showing up to church and not you accepting that you are son and daughter of God. We should be past that. We should be about, Lord, what do you have me to do? Lord, what do you have me to be? And stop looking at ourselves. If David, when God calls someone, when God called Gideon, angel came and he calls him a mighty man of valor. Well, there was not much of mighty men of valor. Gideon was hiding behind a wine, wine press to hide his crop because he was afraid. He was all in fear. But when God showed up, he didn't see that guy hiding the coward behind the wine press. He called him a mighty man of valor. God already seen Gideon, the overcomer, the one who would defeat the Medianite. Now, Gideon struggled even to see that. We have to trust our father. When God reveals something to you, revealing your position. Now, when Gideon heard about his mission in life, he had nothing around him to do it. No accessories. When, when David was anointing king, there was no crown. There was no soldier. There was no palace. He still had his slingshot. He still had his staff. You know, he, nothing around him was witnessing. Even his brother mocked him. But God saw a king in this young man. And we have to be sensitive. Sometimes God brings someone in church. Or even someone, God brings back someone who backslid. Now when he left, it was not great. He did a mess and he did this and he did that. And went straight to the world and said this and said that. And we're like, Phew, my goodness. Then he comes back. We're like, oh, here you go again. But we have no clue that this is a minister. This is a deacon coming back. Now he's coming back on new ground. But now we look him with your eyes because that's all we can see. But we have to be spiritual and say, Lord, what do you have in store here? And so you, you got to watch for this. And not, not that if we watch for this, it's going to happen because God doesn't need us. But we don't want to be a hindrance in God's working. Hallelujah. We don't want to be the female fighting sons and daughters of God as they want to enter their position. Now, Samuel, when he, David, when 
when it was time to be anointed king, his father invites everyone except David. So that's a good start. We're going to anoint a king, but you can leave and stay in the field. You're just a kid. And Samuel is looking at all, you know. So David had like a big brothers. He's like, oh, surely this tall guy. And God says, you're looking at the wrong thing. You're looking at the outward appearance. I'm looking at the heart. And sometimes us, we do, we do the mistake. Someone comes back, you know, from the world. Or, and we look, at, at, we look at, at now. But we don't see inside. We cannot see inside. But we have to trust God. God's going to speak to him. Because there's going to be growing. Sometimes when I speak with someone and he's going through this, that, I tell him, I says, this, what you're going through right now, it's not a life sentence. I mean, this is a picture of now. But if you trust the Lord, this, this will change. Your life's going to get around. You, you'll be somewhere else soon. And, and, and so that, that, that's the part of the church. We have to help them get going to be at the right spot so when God speaks to them. Hallelujah. And so Samuel is looking at, uh, you know, the countenance and the height and stature. And, but the Lord, look at the heart. The heart. Quickly, I'm trying to finish here. And so verse 11, he says, are, the, are, are here all thy children? He said, there remained yet the, young, the youngest, but, you know, he just keeps the sheep. He's a little shepherd, you know, so I didn't, I didn't thought we should invite him, right? Well, we're not doing anything until he comes. And when he comes, God says that's him. Now he's just a kid, but he's anointing king. If you look at yourself, you don't think much. But if you look at God, sometimes we, we just block the anointing. We block the inspiration of God because we look at ourselves. When the Lord asks you to go and talk to someone, to witness, to do this, to do that, He wants to use you. He wanted to use Moses. Moses looked at himself, well, I can't talk, and this, and, and there's that. I'm in the desert, and I got this cattle here, and this and there. like... But God already seen Moses opening the sea. That for God, this is already fulfilled. But there's the crippling part where when God anoints you, then you have a fight. Everything's going to be against you. David's father didn't invite him. Then he sees a giant, all men's hearts failing for fear. He's anointed. He doesn't look at his size. He goes to see Saul. Saul telling him, well, you just. Saul telling him, thou art not able. You're too young. You're just a kid. But they didn't know that this kid had, this, had a testimony. He'd been out there in the wild, and when a bear came, and when a lion came, he, he slayed it. He had a testimony because God was with him. Sometimes we can look at someone, we don't think there's much with it. But in his private life, in his prayer closet, God speaks to him. God answers his prayer. Hallelujah. So he meets Saul. Saul, he says, he's too young. He's meeting Goliath. Goliath says, 
how insulting? You're just sending me a kid? And so David gets insulted constantly. He goes to war with, with some food. His father says, go see your brother, bring some food. The brother's all mad. Oh, yeah, you came here to just spy on us. And so every step of the way, he could despise. When God speaks to you, you better write it down. Because you'll have to stick with what God said. Because you'll have a lot to face. Because Satan will throw everything against you. He'll, 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 he'll pinpoint all your weakness. He'll find real ones. When they were saying, David, you're too young. They were right. He's too young. But that didn't stop God. Hallelujah. Jesus faced the same thing when he... When he, when he went in his own country, the Bible says, when they saw Jesus coming, you know, he did miracles in many places, but when he come to his own town, said, well, this is not just this little carpenter's son. We know his mother. We know his brother. Like this, you know, there's, there's nothing. And the Bible says they were offended in him. Now he was the son of God. The power of God was with him. But when he came to his own country, even, even God himself in flesh, it paralyzed Him, because the Bible says he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. So when Jesus faced his own people, it's really hard to start preaching in your own church. It's really hard to become a deacon in the church you've been raised in. Because people know you. It's like, oh, yeah, I remember he was running in the parking lot and you know, threw rocks at the car and he did this and... <laughs> And now he's a deacon. <laughs> wow. And we're not taking him seriously. I remember one of my friends, he's a minister, he said when he started preaching, you know, he, he was still in his phase where he had to decide if he was a minister or a, a, a doing prank call because that's what he was doing in church. He would call people in church and doing prank call and he thought it was funny, but then he started preaching. So now he had a problem. It's like, he, you'll have to choose what you want to do here. You know, you're going to preach the gospel or you're going to do prank call and get people mad in the church. So it's really hard to be taken seriously when you're that goofy and then suddenly the only thing of God comes on you and then you become serious. Like people are like, really? I have to sit down and listen to him? But when God stepped in the scene, he changed someone. Where did God take me? Where did God take you? Amen. <laughs> so he had to choose what he wanted to do. But Jesus, it was the same thing. Not because he was a goofy, but just because they saw him on the natural level. The carpet and sun, yeah, Mary, we know this, we know that. There's not much. It's just, it's just this. So we, we, we don't want to miss God when God wants to move. God wants to move, and sometimes God moves in, in different ways. We want to be sensitive. Mary missed it that day. But we don't want to miss God when God stepped in the scene. We want to be sensitive to the move of God because he's above the church. He's using it, but he's above it. Hallelujah. So, in closing, God is not short. When it comes time to confirm His sons and daughters. Even Jesus, as he moved from the childhood, from, from Mary to the Father, twice God came down and God was not quiet when it was time to confirm. 
Twice, he says, a voice came out from heaven. Thou art my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. When you stand for God, and when you enter into your calling, and it doesn't have to be trusty, it doesn't have to be deacons, it it doesn't have to be under the spotlight. Whatever God inspires you, it can be out there. No, No one will ever know what you did. But you have to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And we should be faithful in little things that God asked us. Because it's not about being under the spotlight, actually. But it's to be under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. But you'll have to fight every inch of it. If God speaks to you, you won't have it easy. But that's what we call the season of maturing. God wants to establish inside of your heart such a solid identity. That whatever you go through, you never question the fact that you are a son and a daughter of God. This should, this should be a line that you never go behind. This should be, we should be so much ahead of that question. Lord, am I a son? Am I? And it says, Lord, well, Brother Steve, who's going to tell me? We just read the scripture. The spirit itself wants to reveal to our spirit. There's a season where we, 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 we search for God and it's, Lord, who am I? Lord, I'm, I'm not worthy. I've, I've done this and I, and I went through that. Lord, I'm not worthy. None of us are worthy. But God wants to establish in your heart an identity that you'll never question. Because when God writes it in your heart, nobody can erase it. Whatever we are in our heart is there to stay. When God does something for us, and, and we don't want to look at people around us. Do you, think, do you think I'm a Christian? We want to focus at the right place. He's the one. He wants to establish you. Maybe you've been raised in a church and it's been about following your parents and being faithful and there's a season for that. I'm not despising that because it's, 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 it's a season. Jesus was nurtured by Mary until a season. But we have to understand at one point God wants to come down in your life. You'll still be in the church. You'll still listen to the same pastor. But everything is different. It's like... Wow, I've been going to that church for so many years. And it was about this brother said this. And, and because there's many noises in the church. There's many voices in the church. You, you have to realize that when you're in a church, not everybody's on the same page. The pastor might, might have a line of thought and a line of conduct in the church. But then this brother on the balcony of the church, he says, well, you know, yeah, he said that. But you know what? Prophet also said this and said that. And this, this other part, well, you know, and this. And there's a lot of noises in the church. Who will you listen to? It can become confusing. That's where the voice of the Father wants to come down and establish in your heart. Because when we read Ephesians 6, the Bible says that we may maybe no more children tossed and fro and this said that and this said that and just good to go there and go this and go do whatever. As we are maturing, we become stabilized in God. The musician can come. Let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus.
It's your will tonight to establish in everyone's heart your voice. You want to speak. You are the voice inside the voice. And I pray, Lord, maybe this was preached tonight just for one. To realize there's something greater going on in this building. Samuel didn't know that until the day you called him. The Bible says he had never heard your voice. But he heard a lot of words. He learned a lot of things. Church manners and how to clean this and how to do that and remove the bread. And he knew a lot of things. But he had never heard your voice. And when he heard it, he didn't know what to do with it. Because he didn't recognize it. Lord, make us more sensitive. So we can hear your voice. Because it's your voice that's going to bring us to maturity. It's not the church voice. It's your voice. Help us, Lord. And I pray, Lord, tonight. Maybe there's one person that's going to go back home and say, Lord, I realize I never heard your voice. It's your perfect will, Lord, tonight to reveal yourself. To everyone. I surrender this group of people. These are your sons. And these are your daughters. You saw them before the foundation of the world. You saw them complete. You saw them mature. You saw them at the end. May we trust. Your calling and your vision in our life. I pray Lord in Jesus name. Amen. Can we sing that? Do you know this song? I'm no longer a slave to fear. Let's stand up. You have covered me with a melody. You surround me with a song.
rejoice, saints. believe you heard a wonderful word of God tonight. I'm rejoicing. It's not something that I'm just heard tonight and I enjoyed a different speaker or that was Brother Steve Brissall. Never heard him before. You have to look beyond the veil. As you heard tonight, it's the voice within the voice. You have to look beyond the flesh and say, what is the Holy Spirit speaking to me about? And so many people leave church saying, oh, that was a good sermon. But ask them tomorrow morning what was preached. They don't have a clue. And that, yeah, that's got to stop. So know that I, I took that from the word of God. It's transformed my life. It's changed my thinking. I'm a son of the living God. I know who I am. Yeah. If we've come to a time now that we have to start trying to figure out who we are, the rapture is going to be a long way away. You say, well, I, I, I'm a son of God. Well, then act like one. When you are a son, you're a son. When that revelation strikes your soul, you're a daughter of God, you're a daughter of God. So the Bible does not say we might be the sons of God someday. My Bible says now we are the sons of God. And so then the only reason why you might have a question is that you need to be born again. Because under this message, this voice that came down in this hour told you you're in harvest time you're in maturity time you're in sonship time and it's not a time to start wavering and wondering it's a time to take the word of God go forth and be a man they do not inscript an army person to fight at 12 or 13 or 14 they will take them in the army to fight in an army when they come of age and there's a lot of people even our young people they try and stay too young too long they don't grow up and that's why the world calls them uh, what do you call them uh, twin adults or they never grow up or teen adult adult teener they're at home at 40 years old still living from dad's paycheck where's sonship there where's going out and knowing who you are in Christ and so the word of God came not just to give us an idea what you heard tonight was not an idea 
it's scripturally laid out that if you're a son and daughter of God, then walk in it, talk in it, live it, love it, speak it, act it, and see God come behind your confession. Wonderful message, and thank you, Brother Stephen. You know, this idea of perfection business, it, it only starts playing with your brain if you start dabbling into your little um, Facebook. I know this is a favorite subject of everybody because it gets real quiet when you mention Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, whatever. Who's my influencer? You know what they say about the influencers that are trying to influence people? They're the most insecure people. Because they got to put across that they're somebody and they're just a nobody. But they might have a pimple. So they got to airbrush the pimple out so that they can be perfect. You ain't going to do it by airbrushing it. But I'll tell you one way you're going to do it. Get washed by the water of the word. And watch now the word of God mature the people. We sang an old song years ago. Complete, complete complete in him complete 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 deflecting what God's speaking to you as I so it's not okay you've done it now we are complete in him but I just like you to put the I am complete in him alright because you heard the word tonight and if you believed it sing it complete 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 
couple that's going to be complete tomorrow more complete than they've ever been and we're looking forward to uh, a special time for the jack sister jessica god bless you and all that have gathered here we thank the lord for a wonderful evening in the house of the living god let's bow our heads heavenly father we are rejoicing in the word of god Many times we indeed just see the now, but we don't see the future. And Lord, you had a prophet come in this generation and said, you already made it. I saw you over there. I am indeed complete in him. And so, Lord, as Brother Steve has closed the service, and Lord said, maybe it's for somebody to waken up to the reality of their need and communion with Jesus Christ. Deal with all of our hearts, Lord. We need a deeper communion with you. So tomorrow, Lord, will be a very special day. A young man and a young lady will unite holy matrimony i just pray god that as that great event takes place that they'll start to realize as they walk together down life's path you leading every step of the way that they can say together we are complete in him so lord bless your children as they go their way we thank you for brother steve Bresson. we thank you for his life his family his church his vision his desire for the kingdom of God bless him now we pray in Jesus name God bless you would you turn around and greet one another amen you're dismissed in Jesus name